I'm Heat. And I'm Rocket Kid. And this is Ordinary Chaos. A podcast about ordinary life. Because you don't have to be famous to be interested. What's normal for me might be unusual for me. Let's do this! Here today with Shauna Reisinger, a good friend of mine that I actually knew from when our kids swam and did gymnastics together at what turns out to be her place of employment. I didn't know that at the time. And Shauna loves silence. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Talk to me about that, Shauna. Well, thank you for having me first. It's awesome to be able to see you, even virtually. Really, what that means to me is my schedule is always packed and I'm always, you know, even when I'm in my office doing work, like there's constant noise and people coming in and at home when my kids are awake, it's, you know, mom, this mom, that, and just those moments of silence where you can just kind of not have to make a decision, not have to get ready to go anywhere, pack stuff to go to, you know, a swim meet or Taekwondo tournament or getting ready for work or dropping the kids off someplace, like just those rare moments where it can just be quiet. And I mean, the TV can still be on, but it's just where your brain can be quiet, where you just don't have to think about anything. (laughs) (laughs) Very relatable, I think, to all of us with kids, for sure. Probably to some people without, but definitely. Yes. Oh, those quiet moments. (laughs) Yes. John and Rocket Kid went on a trip for two days, and it was amazing. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down a kid right now, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe just take the other one for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start with what is something that your younger self would be surprised about your present self? Honestly, that I am in a relationship with children. My younger self had a lot of aspirations. I loved kids. I loved babysitting. I loved teaching, you know, all of that as a younger person. But I never, my life plan didn't involve my own children or having my own children. I was going to travel. I was going to spoil all my nieces and nephews. So the fact that I'm a mom and that I enjoy being a mom, I think would surprise me the most. How did that path change? Well, I moved to Arizona and met a really awesome guy. And it was more of an oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So we're doing this. So the universe kind of decided for us. (laughs) Your kids are great. Oh, they are. And you know what's funny is after we had my oldest, I remember Sean making the comment one time. He's like, you know what? I can't ever imagine not wanting this. And I'm like, I get it. I absolutely get that feeling. Like I can't ever imagine not wanting what you have with children, you know, the good and the bad. Yes. But, you know, I can't imagine not wanting that anymore. (laughs) It's a big switch. 
It is. It really is. Yeah. And, but you know what? I'm also really blessed too because I found a job that I love and I'm passionate about. I feel like I'm helping, but allows me a lot of freedom to be able to go and pick them up from school, drop them off, you know, work my schedule around their activities for the most part. I mean, obviously there's sometimes that I can't, but I still get to travel with this job. I haven't been anywhere exotic, although we did get invited to Puerto Rico and I'm really sad we're going to have to miss that one. But I've been all over the United States. I've been to Maui, you know, so I've gotten that traveling in and there's opportunity for more foreign travel in the future. Nice. Yeah. So I've gotten the best of all worlds. So the universe really did lead me to where I wanted to be, just not the way that I thought I'd get there. (laughs) Can't ask for more than that. Right. Right. I have an amazing life now that I'm very, very happy with and it's fulfilling in ways that I, you know, didn't see myself being fulfilled in. That's fantastic. And it's, it's nice to hear somebody say, you know what, my life is amazing. It is. It is. The ups and downs, like, sure. don't get me wrong. It, like, it's hard. It is really hard sometimes. And I have quite a few more gray hairs right now. And, <laughs> you know, cry in these you know, quiet times in my car. It, you know, I've sure. had to close my office door a couple times and just kind of let it out and then open it up and, <laughs> you know, go back out. So it's hard. That's, and I think that's what people forget that those times actually make life amazing too, because they're learning, they're growing, you know, opportunities. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. That just because it's amazing doesn't mean that it's all rainbows and sunshine. Exactly. And I think that, you know, depends on your attitude, too. You know, how you perceive things and, you know, how long you stay in the funk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So in in those life travels, have you gotten any advice that you were really glad you didn't take? When I was younger, I was in the Young Marines. And that was my initial career path that I was choosing for myself post high school. I planned on joining the Marine Corps. And of course, everybody kept pushing me and yeah, you're making the right decision. Yeah, go serve your country. I ended up luckily being able to back out of that. And so I'm glad that I didn't follow through on that, even though I was being pushed in that direction. I feel like people give out bad advice. a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I follow it. Sometimes I don't. Really don't know. I mean, that's that's the one biggest. I think that's what changed my perspective on life. I think it was that that one defining moment, that fork in the road. And I'm grateful because it was other friends who had already shipped off to boot camp that had told me that, hey, you're not going to probably get the job that they were promising you because none of them got it. And fortunately, I was 17 when I enlisted in their poolie, what they call their poolie program where basically you sign all the paperwork and are agreeing to go. It's just, you have to wait until you're 18 to ship out. But because I was 17, obviously I couldn't sign any legal documents and they couldn't hold me to any legal documents that my parents had signed. But again, once I turned 18, they had no control over me. <laughs> you know, so like They could make me ship out. So I was able to back out that way. And that's when I changed trajectory and did the firefighting thing instead. Oh, and that just kind of led me everywhere from there. <laughs> Is that how you got to Arizona? 
Yes and no. Graduating at 17 was kind of a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. There's a lot of family drama. You know, as I've gotten older, I've learned that a lot of the decisions that were made by adults in my life were because they didn't have the necessary tools to make better decisions. And as they have gotten those tools, they have started making better decisions, which I'm grateful for. But I had a really rough upbringing. So as soon as I graduated high school, I left my house. It was one of my older brother's best friends. So he was kind of like a brother to me growing up said, hey, I'm getting a house. I need a roommate to help with bills. Do you want to come live with me? And I'm like, absolutely. Here I come. Get me out of this place. So I moved out pretty young. Like I said, I was doing the firefighting thing. I had done the Explorers program, was doing the fire academy, moved out, but it ended up being kind of a party scene. So, you know, 17, not quite 18, early 20s, that underdeveloped prefrontal cortex doesn't always lead you to making the right decisions. (laughs) (laughs) So right before I turned 20 was when I decided to change my environment because, you know, that always works. It doesn't really, if anybody's listening to this, um, (laughs) you find those same people elsewhere. It's not until you start really changing yourself. And then I feel like the universe listens like, okay, they really are ready for a change and start putting those people in your life to help you make those changes. And moving out to Arizona gave me that. That's when I met Sean, you know, and it was, it was really, he was a blessing. My older sister was a blessing. She helped too, but just find people who weren't doing the things that I didn't want to be doing anymore. (laughs) It's a good plan. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) easier said than done. It is. And it's hard. Like I literally had to completely change my phone number so that I couldn't even get a hold of, you know, people and people couldn't get a hold of me to drive me back down. So it was, it was definitely some interesting years, some growing pains along that time. Sure. Definitely some experiences along that time. And honestly, I feel like my mom always says, you know, she's very Christian and she's like, I pray for you, which I make that equivalent to, you know, sending good vibes, you know, all of that. But honestly, I feel like those good, good vibrations are what kept me alive those years. (laughs) Because I certainly wasn't trying to keep myself alive. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a miracle I'm still here today. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you are. Yes. So thank you. I am too. Because even though we don't connect very often, you're definitely a force for good in my life. So thank you. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. Yes, you too. You've saved me on a few occasions. So So through all of that, what superpowers have you developed? Oh, superpowers. Huh. Never thought of myself as having superpowers, but... I feel like the ability to be able to see the good in things has definitely come out of that. My optimism, I feel like that is especially, you know, seeing so much negativity lately, Um, being able to stay optimistic um, is definitely a superpower of mine. Strength, you know, both physical and emotional to get through, you know, some of the things and still come out on the other side. I have a lot of compassion too. I know the mistakes I've made, 
you know, I'm able to kind of give people more chances. Sure. Which is why when I do cut it off, I'm like, I gave you enough chances. Trust me. (laughs) Like you have no (laughs) idea how many chances I gave you. (laughs) Right. (sighs) It seems that people who go through stuff tend either to have a lot more compassion for other people going through stuff or none at all. Like I went through that. You can go through it too. Yeah. I think, you know, when I was younger, it did kind of harden me a little bit. And I think as I get more compassion for myself, that helps me have more compassion for other people. If that makes sense. It completely makes sense. 100%. (laughs) There's a cultural thing about loving other people more than you love yourself, but you can't. You can't. And I, you know, I find that, I mean, even take right now, for example. So work is pulling me in a million directions. My kids pull me in a million, million directions, trying to be there for Sean. You know, it, I feel always pulled in a million directions. And Taekwondo for me right now is my sanity. It's, it's my time for me to be there for me because it helps me feel better overall, you know, my physical strength and everything like that. Just, I feel like my mental clarity, acuity is so much better when I'm doing Taekwondo regularly and, you know, through the pandemic and even coming out of it, like I said, just work has been crazy. I've made that a priority. You know, I've made kids a priority. I've missed so many classes. Like there'd be weeks where I wouldn't even go to class. And I noticed I was handling problems less well than I would have liked to. Sure. I was getting more stressed out, which then I was getting shorter with my kids and getting shorter with Sean. Like it was that domino effect. And I think the push that I needed was I started competing again. And, you know, I'm like, oh, in order to get better at competition, I actually need to practice and train (laughs) and make this a priority. Practice? What? I know, right? Seriously. (laughs) So, yeah, as I was, you know, making my Taekwondo more of a priority, I felt calmer. I felt able to handle problems. I was nicer to my children. I was less annoyed by them, I guess would be the best way to put it you know, just able to kind of calm and worry about what needed to be worried about and not worry about things that I had no control over right now that, you know, will need to get worried about, but not right now because there really isn't anything I can do about it. So why worry? And that's like, as I train more, that's, that fuels me, that gets me going. And so, I mean, it helps that I got first in districts, which means I qualify for tournament of champions at world's. That is and phenomenal. So like, Thank you. So I'm like, oh, that's that's a month away. I really, really need to make my training a priority this next month. But even like, you know, going into the districts, I'm like, okay, I really need to at least once a week, at least once a week, I need to be there. And even just that once a week for an hour, it was amazing the transformation that I felt at home and at work. I'm just like, oh, even just that one hour a week for myself, like made a huge impact. Say that louder for the people in the back. Right? <laughs> like one hour a week. You, you can do that. Everybody can do that. And it may mean sacrificing some stuff. Like, you know, I stay up a little bit later because I need that quiet kid free time. 
you know, at the end of each day, just to kind of wind down just for a little, even if that winding down is sitting, in, you know, laying in bed in front of the TV and, you know, just kid free time. I mean, I work around children. I, I manage children. Hopefully none of my employees listen to this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, I need that like little bit of kid free time. And even my Taekwondo classes, like it's an adult class, but they allow 13 and up. So there's kids in the class. So even during that time, but, you know, it it allows me to, you know, kind of go off to myself and just focus on what I need to be focusing on, even though there's kids around me. But yeah, just that that little brief moment of kid free time. And it's funny because sometimes Sean will come in and like want to talk about things kid related. And I'm like, it's after 11 o'clock. Uh-uh. I'm not having this conversation right now. <laughs> I need to wind down. So no, it's, it's not happening. Start it earlier the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Try again tomorrow. Yep. And I know because it's bugging him. So he wants to get it off. But I'm like, uh-uh, no. So it's like setting those boundaries, too, which are really hard for adults yes. to do. And I feel bad sometimes. But I, I'm starting to feel less bad every time I do it. So, you know. Yeah, that there's still that little bit and it depends like sometimes, you know, when I'm not doing okay, like I feel even more bad, but when I feel good about myself, I feel less bad when I'm doing that. So, you know, boundaries are really, really important. (laughs) (laughs) This is like life lessons with Shauna here today. Right. (laughs) Didn't plan on that. Sorry. (laughs) You don't have to apologize. It's perfect. Like, unless we need to have a decision on this before eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Yep. We can talk about it tomorrow. Yep. That's tomorrow. Like, you know, there's a couple of things coming up with Bella right now, but you know, she's, she's in Michigan for three weeks. I'm like, there, there's no reason to even worry about that or, you know, discuss it. Let's, let's see how things are in three weeks. Cause we're going to grow and change during those three weeks. And she's having a whole new adventure and new experience. So I don't even know what child's going to come back to me in three weeks. It may not be the same child I sent to Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) So let's wait and see what comes back and then work that problem as it comes. (laughs) That's great insight, though, to realize like she's having this independent adventure and that's going to change her in some way. We and we just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, I have I have hopes. I have my idea. But usually when I have my ideas, the universe likes to laugh at me. Uh, be like, oh, really? You thought that's what was going to happen? <laughs> Let's just show you. <laughs> Let me adjust that for you. Yeah, right. Let's adjust your perspective just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's a, it's a new adventure and something I'm going to have to stumble through. <laughs> oh. So again, through all this time, is there any feedback that you've been given either by a specific person or by an experience that has forever changed how you view yourself, whether for good or for bad? Well, my mom has always been my biggest cheerleader, but what I love about her too is she doesn't sugarcoat things when they need to be brutally honest. Like she's, she's okay with doing that with me too. 
which I appreciate and sometimes stings a little. I'm like, oh, you're my mommy. You shouldn't tell me that I'm wrong. I'm always right. Aren't I? Are they always right? <laughs> so she she is honest with me when she needs to be honest with me. But like I said, is always my cheerleader, has been in my corner, you know, even when I was making hard decisions, you know, rough, tough decisions. She's always there to kind of cheer me on and wish me the best and just keep hoping for the best for me. Uh, which I have always loved and appreciated. And like I said before, like she's probably one of the reasons I'm still alive today. So thank you, mom. But like when I think about everything, she's the one that stands out. But I think as I've gotten older too, I tune out the negative, like the people who don't support me and not necessarily that they, the people who would, you know, treat me like my mom does, you know, be honest with me or be brutally honest with me because I enjoy having those people in my life. I need those people. That's how you grow. Um, exactly. But I think just the people who are negative to be negative, I just kind of tune out. Everybody in my life, I keep in my life because they're a positive influence on me. You know, if they weren't, then I, I just, I don't know if it's age or wisdom or, you know, what it is. I just kind of phase them out of my life. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. I, I, in theory, I'm, I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. Sure. You know, and I find myself, I'm like, why, why, why do I have this person? So I'm like, that is a great question. Uh, you know, even like the Facebook moments where you go through your friends list and you're like, why, why, <laughs> like, why am I still friends with them? But they never post, you know, they never like any of my posts. Like, why? So, you know, oh, okay. I, I have the ability to unfriend people. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you just hit that little unfriend. I wish it was easier in real life. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, unfriend. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you brought that up because I've gotten a lot of very strong pushback from people. In talking about the same things, like, you know what, we have zero interactions on this platform. It's social media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're not, we're not socializing. Yeah. Well, and especially like everyone's like, oh, I'm getting off Facebook. I'm getting off because all the political da, da, da. And I think that's where my attitude is different. Well, number one, because I live thousands of miles away from a lot of family that I really love and I really love staying connected to. And that's, you know, I think it's my outlook on, again, like you said, it's a social platform. You know, I get to see my cousins and, you know, when I am able to see them in person, you don't have to spend those hours trying to catch up with their lives because you've seen them unfold on Facebook. Like, you know, I do have family, you know, who post very political stuff. But what's really cool is your mouse or your like little pad on your laptop has this cool feature that it's a scroll. <laughs> and it goes like really fast. So as soon as you see something you don't like, you can scroll. <laughs> Again, I wish life was that way. You could just scroll through the really yucky stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, your laptop, like you could scroll. Your your mouse, I love a mouse. I, I can't stand that little pad on my laptop. <laughs> I don't know. I'm old school. I'm old. But yeah, there's that little like little rolly ball. Like you don't even have to like move the mouse down to the arrow and press the button for a really long time anymore. Most, <laughs> most of them have that little wheel and it's amazing. <laughs> you just scroll past the negativity and you, you connect and you still stay connected with people. And 
I love my family dearly. And it's not like they always post political things. It's just every once in a while, maybe they're feeling extra passionate that day. I typically don't post anything political. I mean, the most political I get is on education. You know, I did a lot for Red Fred. You know, that was up there, you know, and water safety, anything helping water or animals or nature, you know, then then I'm like, okay, I'll post that. But it's, it's there for me to see people and for me to post like what my kids are doing. And yeah, when we went to the airport, I remember going through all my pictures because I took a ton of pictures that day. And I'm like, do I just post all the happy pictures of us hugging and, you know, everything? And I posted and maybe maybe my youngest is going to be really mad at me later on in life. But, you know, there's a couple pictures of her, like a close up of her crying, like we're going to miss you. It's going to be sad too. And I do try to post that. It's usually when we're on our adventures that I'm like, Oh, I got to post about this. You know, there's times where, you know, my mom, my dad was going through lymphoma, you know, when my brother passed away, you know, I get raw, I get emotional on there too, because I do not have a rosy, happy life. You know, my kids drive me nuts. Sean drives me nuts. But I love them all dearly too. <laughs> but yeah, it's you know that's social media. I still I still use Facebook. I have not done Instagram. I don't know. I just I I think I have an account because I had to to make a business one. But I do not have Instagram. Facebook is really. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do TikTok. I don't have Twitter. You know, I'm very limited in my social media scope. <laughs> but I I like social media because of that. And you know, I tend to follow people who are more positive and upbeat and like-minded. And I feel like that's the same way I live my life, you know, surround myself with people who are positive and upbeat and will be real and that's okay. But people who don't stay in it too long, like me. (laughs) I joined Instagram and only follow either funny or feel good accounts. And so everything that I encounter on Instagram is nice. Nice. Good. And it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So I don't spend a ton of time on it. There's not all that much to scroll through because I don't follow that many. Yeah. But whenever I go there, it's it's going to be not like I'm going to cry because there's something that's just so, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, Oh, the soldier's (laughs) homecoming videos. Oh, those get me like every time. I will. I sob like a baby. That's that's. That's my weakness. <laughs> there are those. There were some for Father's Day of adult children surprising their dads by showing. Oh. Like, I guess they don't live locally. Okay. And showed up to surprise them. And yeah, those surprise things. Like, um, I don't. I don't know if you've seen. Like, they did a commercial, and I don't even know who the company is that put it on. But it's like the nurses and frontline workers that haven't seen their families in like months and everything. And they like had their families make them like a special dish, home cooked dish. And they had their families up on zoom and had the dish like right there in front of them so that they could like have a meal with their families. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I forget that there's people that still can't be with their families. And you know, but those like feel good, like surprises, happy surprises. Yes. Always get me. Yes. Yes. And I don't know (laughs) if that's, an age thing or if it's like since I've become a mom thing or yeah some it's something because yeah. I'm pretty sure that 20 years ago I would have been like oh that's nice yeah well definitely <laughs> the mom thing I noticed like when I was pregnant with my oldest and even on through like 
I would cry at things I would have not normally cried at. Yeah, like you, I'd like, yeah, well, that's nice. You know, oh, how sweet. Scott <laughs> <laughs> always joked like my testosterone was higher than his when we first started dating. <laughs> And I'm like, mm, probably right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I think motherhood does soften soften you quite a bit. Uh, I, I noticed like we even went to a pool one day that had diving boards. And I was a diver in high school. I did inwards. I did reverses. You know, my mom thought I was going to smack my head and kill myself probably every single day I went to practice or meet. But I got up on that diving board and I'm, I just did like, you know, just a normal like forward dive, did a pike one time. And the girls are like, come on, do something more daring. You know how to dive. And I'm like, yeah, but if something happens to me, you just have your dad to take care of you. Like, no, <laughs> those are the thoughts that go through my head though. Like, do is this worth like, <laughs> right. <laughs> the balance is different. Right. And Sean's a great, great parent. Don't get me wrong. He is a great father, but there, there, I, I do a, a lot for the girls uh-huh. and I know their schedules a lot better. And, and I can handle the chaos a little bit better. Like we, we know our strengths and, and that those are some of my strengths in the relationship. He's got a whole bunch of them. He's Mr. Fix it. You know, he, he always wants to fix a problem, but that that's, I, I handle the chaos a little bit better. <laughs> so I, I love that your name, ordinary chaos. Yeah. That's, that's every day. And I handle that <laughs> like that. That's, that's my role. That's one of my strengths. Synonym for mom. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but yeah, so like when it's something a little more daring or like I've never been afraid of heights or anything, but we've gone to like the Hoover Dam and I'll stand right out on the edge of those, I mean, barricades and everything. And I get a little like, okay, I, this is this is good for me. Got my picturesque view and now I'm going to back away, you know, <laughs> you think about like what, what if something happens to you how life would change for these, these little mini me's. Yes. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, not as much of a risk taker as I used to be. <laughs> Most people who I've talked to, if I ask them if they want to be famous, say no. So I'm just going to assume a no. And if the answer is yes, then you can just adjust my question in your answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but if you had to be famous for something, what would you want to be famous for? And it could be, it doesn't have to be like everyone in the world knows Shauna. It could be like niche famous, yeah. right? Like people who are in your job, for example, know everyone knows this person, but I don't because I'm not in that. Yes. That realm. Yeah. Honestly, like water safety is a huge thing I'm passionate about. Obviously, you know, that's what I do. Yes. I mean, that, that would be it. Like I've thought about, you know, it's an Olympic year. So, you know, I've thought about what it'd be like to be like an amazing swim coach, you know, like the Bob Bowman, you know, female version of Bob Bowman. And then I think about it and I'm like, well, that, that's great having an Olympic athlete, but it, you know what? And, and I think maybe I'd answer it this way. I would like to be famous so I could bring more, shed more light on water safety. 
like, I guess my answer would be yes, I would be, but only to be able to do, like, have the voice that those people have. That makes sense. That make, yeah. So, and I think it's just because my passion is something that, and I posted this on Facebook before and shared this, like, every time I hear a family who has lost somebody to drowning, it's always, I wished I would have known. So it's like, okay, how do we get that message out? Like that people don't keep saying, I wished I would have known. Like, how do, how do we get that messaging out? And I, I remember like, you know, every time something new would happen, it's like, oh my gosh, we, we, we have this, um, like Bodie Miller. I don't know if you, you know, heard about the Olympic skier. They lost a child to drowning. I don't know. It's been a few years now. And so they started being an advocate and they're like, well, why didn't our pediatrician tell us? And I'm like, we have a program that we have been trying to get the pediatricians on board for so long. It's water smart babies. Like we've been trying to get the pediatricians on board to talk to their, the parents at their, you know, nine month, 12 month checkups about water safety and water, getting their kids in lessons, you know, building barriers around pools. Um, I'm like, but it took an Olympic athlete. Now all of a sudden the pediatric American pediatric association is like, Oh, okay. Well maybe we'll lower our recommendations where yeah, one kid should start learning water safety and start safety lessons and everything. But I'm like, I want to have that voice. Like why I'm yelling. Why is nobody listening to me? <laughs> right. Like, come on people. I have an important message. Just listen to me. Yeah. So that like, I would want to be famous just so I could have that voice like that. Nothing. I don't want like paparazzi or anything like that. I just, I just want to have that voice. Like, please listen to what I'm saying so that nobody else has to go through the heartbreak, you know, that I hear so, so, so often. So that, so that would be it. I mean, honestly, I'd want to be famous so I could have a voice so that nobody else would have to drown, that everyone would listen to me. (laughs) Letting my children know. They actually listen to me when it comes to water safety and they spout everything. I'm like, yay, good. Yay, I'm doing it. Go you. <laughs> <laughs> they know never to swim alone. They know, you know, to always have a grown up. They know, you know, they. it's awesome that they can spout it out and trying to get that message out. But that that would be it, that people would listen to what, not only what I have to say, because I'm just spouting out what other people are saying too, to have that one united voice and be known for saving lives. I guess that that was, that would be what I'd want to be famous for is helping to save lives. I can't imagine what it feels like to learn that your child just drowned. It's, it's one of the reasons why we never got a pool. When we were looking for a house, my oldest was a about 18 months when we started looking, she wasn't quite two yet. And, you know, Sean wanted a pool and he grew up with a pool. He loved having a pool and I get it. I would have loved having a pool. And now I I really wished we had a pool, you know, that would be nice. But at the time I'm like, we could never go on a date night. Like I would be worrying the whole time. I could never, like I would stress over it. I could follow everything, but I wouldn't be able to trust anybody else watching their kid, you know, unless it was somebody who like, you know, 
worked at swim kids or, you know, <laughs> or did what I did for a living. Then I'd be like, okay, I trust you to watch my children. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's, I would never be able to completely be at ease away from my house, at least not until they were like the ages they are now. And that just wasn't worth the stress to me. So right. I'm like, no, I want a house without a pool. He's like, you're a swim instructor. What? And so I'm like, yeah, exactly. I am a swim instructor and I know what can happen. So no, no pool. It's amazing to me how many houses here have backyard pools that don't have fences. It breaks my heart. I mean, I even have one student right now and grandma brings them to lessons and he is the wildest and craziest and funnest little boy. Like I love, love the wild, crazy boys. I do, but doesn't have a fence around her pool. And I have conversation after con- I'll drop hints I'll drop everything like and I've even had the blunt like that's just not safe conversations and I am so worried about this little boy because she does not have a fence around her pool and she's like well that's why I bring him to lessons I'm like okay so I'm going to stop you right there but that's great I love it I love teaching I'm glad that you are here three times a week that's awesome but barriers are a big thing there's a reason why we call it the ABCs of water safety like there's adult supervision is always number one. Barriers is number two. And classes are number three. And they're number three for a reason, not just because they align with the C and, you know, our alphabet goes <laughs> in a certain order. It, it really, those adult supervision and barriers are going to be your first two. And then your classes, you know, whether it be swim classes or CPR classes are, are three. It's once they've gotten past the adult supervision and past the barriers that you put in place that you hope see then now does save their life. And, and it's in that order because you and I are both parents. We know you cannot watch your child every single second of every single day. And that, I think those comments seriously are the ones that like make my blood boil the most when there are reports of drownings and the parents get online and it's, why wasn't, why wasn't the kid being watched? I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? Like, seriously? That, that, I'm like, you are not, I was a perfect parent until I had children, but <laughs> all bets are off and definitely not a perfect parent anymore. You can't watch your child every single second of every day. You'll go insane. Your child will go insane. Honestly, your child needs you to not watch them every single second. Yes. So it's not good for you or your child, but that's why you have the barriers then. That's, that's the B. You have the fences, you have the, you know, alarms, you have all of those, the locks on the doors that, you know, there's so many different barriers and it's how many layers can you put in place to keep them? Cause kids are curious. They're going to get out there. They're going to get in there. It's how many of those layers until you realize that they're missing and go looking for them, you right. know, like how the, the alarms, the locks, the, the fence, the, all of those, it'll take them more time. And the younger they are, the longer it'll take them. But all of those barriers that you can put into place for you to give you time to realize, oh, where is my child? And then, you know, go look. (laughs) So, and then, like I said, once they get past all of those barriers, then you hope the classes then are that next safety net in place. Sure. Well, when you notice that it's too quiet... Yes. And that's usually what happens. You're like, oh, wait a second. And then go looking for them. The pool is not the first place you're going to look. I know. And it really should be. It really should be. Like, go check the pool first if you have one. 
because that that's going to be what may save them. Shauna's about to tell a story of a child that drowned. It's not graphic, but if you don't want to listen to it, skip ahead about a minute and 40 seconds to move on to the next part of the conversation. I had a friend who she has passed away a couple years ago. But the reason we met is because her son drowned. And she thought she was doing everything right. She had the alarms on her doors. She had the pool fence around the pool, but she didn't know about self-latching gates and had the landscapers over at her house. And because they were going in and out of the gate and she wanted to put, she wanted to take a shower. So she put her son down for a nap and hopped in the shower. Well, she didn't want the alarms to wake him up from his nap. So she turned the alarms off. And while she was in the shower, he got up from his nap and opened the door. And the landscapers had accidentally left the gate open on the pool because it wasn't a self-latching gate. And so there he goes out the door and into the pool. And she gets out of the shower and goes to check on him. And he's not in his crib, like where she left him. And that's, you know, a story that I hear from so many different parents the barriers broke down. He didn't have the classes to then fall back on. Just horrifying and heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Then she got her daughter into swim lessons, her little one, and I was the teacher and we formed a friendship from there and loved, loved those kids and sad that she's not with us anymore. But, but yeah, it's, it's all of those. I wish I would have known that, you know, I wish I was famous so that, Nobody ever has to say that. I wish I would have known. Well, hopefully this little bit will (laughs) reach some new people. Every time it goes to water safety, that's what I'm like. (laughs) That's what I want to be famous for. No matter where I am, it's water safety. (laughs) So hopefully we'll inspire some people to put fences around their pools to get their kids into swim lessons. Please, please, please. To not prop open the gate at your community pool because you're endangering the entire community's children. Yes. And clear out the pools because if they see the toys in there, that's just going to want to lure them to the pool even more. They're already curious about water. Don't leave shiny (laughs) objects and bright colored toys to pique their curiosity even more. Hopefully we have inspired. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. No, there's no apologizing for that. My, my last question, I think, for you, okay. as we're as you're just moving through the world, going to work, going to the grocery store, doing the things that you do, is there anything that you wish that people knew about you? Hmm. Whether it's strangers or people who you know. I think I always have the best intentions. <laughs> can, can that be something? Sure. I do have the best intentions, may not always come across that way. Or I think sometimes in today's world, we just automatically assume that somebody's being negative or something, but no, I am a really fun person. (laughs) I don't don't know. Yeah. I I was like, I I, I honestly don't know because I'm pretty, I'm a pretty open person. Like if you ask me questions, I will tell you about it. Yeah. So I, I, I pretty much am an open book and I think some people wish that I was. So <laughs> I don't know. That, that feels very familiar to me. <laughs> I'm like, you asked. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even my kids. I'm like, you asked. Sorry. 
don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. Exactly. And there's sometimes like, I remember um, when my oldest was going through, you know, sex education at school and everything. And, you know, they're talking about how babies are made and everything. For some reason, it never clicked that she was once a baby and what that meant her dad for her dad and I <laughs> until we were like in the car at one point and that realization just kind of because she's like wait wait a second and I'm like yes <laughs> how, how do you think you got here she's like how often I'm like do you really want answers to questions? <laughs> like, never mind I take it back I take it back <laughs> Oh, I think that was the like funniest parenting moment ever. And I'm just, <laughs> I hope it's as funny when Sophia, like, and, and we've always been open, very honest, you know, if they ask questions, we'll answer them. But for some reason in her brain, that connection just never really carried over to her own personal life. Like the knowledge was there, but it, it never just, clicked like that connection never completed that circuit never came full circle yes until one moment in the car <laughs> <laughs> and then just the first question that came in her mind came out of her mouth and I'm like are, are you sure you want the answer she's like never mind I take it back <laughs> you want to you reconsider that question <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yes I'm an open book <laughs> So is there anything you want me to ask the next person? Oh, hey, that's a fun question. Do I get to know who the next person is or just anybody in general? I don't know who the next person is. Okay. So want me to follow up with you when I know who the next person is? Maybe, but I think it also makes it more fun not knowing. <laughs> well, and who knows if you'll know them or not. Exactly. Where were some of your forks in the road? And like, it's a great question. Yeah. Because I think, you know, we all have them. And it's, why did you go down that path instead of this one? Where were your forks and maybe even just imagining, and you don't have to ask both questions. Maybe, you know, this is for another time. But, like, where do you think you would be had you not taken that path? Uh, I don't know. Like, that always intrigues me. You know, where, where people's forks in the roads are. Because I know where mine were. Right. You know, I had quite a few where, you know, you, well, in every day you have forks in the roads. But those like, major milestone forks in the roads that completely changed your life. Right. Where were they? And how do you feel about the decision you made? <laughs> cool. I'll ask them. All right. We'll see what they say. Yay. I'm excited. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I said, the universe always has a way of telling us what we, we need instead of what we want. And I needed my girls and I needed Sean and I needed to be in Arizona. So those are, those are my forks in the road and why I moved when I moved, why yes. things happened when they happened. Sure. Cause had things happened earlier, I don't know that same decisions would have gotten made. Right. And it's amazing how life kind of does that for you. There's been times where I've wanted to go work someplace else or change jobs, but I have to keep doing what I'm doing right now if I were to leave what I'm doing. Like, right. <laughs> so, so I'm going to keep headaches and all, 
I keep doing what I'm doing. I'm passionate and I love it. And I, I need to have that passion. That's something important to me in life. You have to have that passion for what you're doing. Otherwise, I, I mean, I did a data entry job and it was great. I found, I found the plus in it. You know, I got to stare at vintage old cars, which I actually really enjoy and drool over them. But everything else was just data entry, sitting in a cubicle. And I knew that that was not what I could do in my life. <laughs> And some people are happy there. Don't don't doubt me because you're happy. Please be happy doing it. We need people doing data entry. I'm just not one of those people. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, live a passionate life. <laughs> it has been a joy talking to you. Yes, you do. Thank I you love it. so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Those are some tough questions and I enjoyed, enjoyed answering them. I, I enjoy <laughs> reflecting. I'm like, wow. Oh, ah. <laughs> I like those moments. <laughs> Our editor is Heat G Check, co-editor Rocket Kid, produced by Heat G Check. To learn more about me, Heat, or more about this podcast, go to ordinarychaospodcast.com. Sound design and recording by Keith Kelly. You can learn more about Keith and his work at www.keithbkelly.com. Cobrain Storm by Rocket Kid and Cat Girl. Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. Because ads are annoying. To support the podcast, go to ordinarychaospodcast.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs>